knows all the depths of the sea. You know, he holds up the pillars which keep earth and heaven apart. It is his daughter who keeps the wretched man a prisoner. She's always coaxing him with soft, deceitful words to forget Ithaca. But Odysseus would be happy to see as much as the smoke leaping up from his native land, and then to die. And you cannot spare him a thought, Olympian. Don't you owe him something for all those sacrifices which he used to offer in their camp on the plain of Troy? Why have you such an odd grudge against him, Zeus? Then Zeus, cloud-gatherer, answered, My child, what a word to let out between your teeth. How could I forget that fine fellow Odysseus, after all? He's almost one of us. Wise beyond mortal men, ready beyond all to offer sacrifice to the lords of the broad heavens. But Poseidon Earthholder bears him unrelenting hatred because of the Cyclops whose eye he put out. I mean Polyphemus, who has our blood in his veins, the most powerful of all the Cyclopians. Thoosa was his mother, the daughter of Phorces, prince of the barren brine. Poseidon possessed her in a hollow cave. Ever since then Poseidon has kept the man wandering about, although he does not kill him outright. Come now, let us all try to think how we can persuade Poseidon to abate his anger and let him go home to his native land. Surely he would not be able to stand out against all the immortals and keep up a quarrel all by himself. Then Athena said, Cronides, our father, king of kings and lord of lords, if all the gods now agree that Odysseus shall return to his home, then let us dispatch our messenger Hermes Agifontes to the island of Ogygia, and let him announce forthwith to the nymph our unchangeable will that Odysseus, after all he has patiently endured, shall return home. And I will myself go to Ithaca to put heart into his son and make him do something, he shall call the people to a meeting, and speak his mind to all the would-be bridegrooms who have been butchering his sheep and his cattle in heaps. And I will send him to Sparta, and to Sandy Pylos, to inquire about his beloved father, if he can hear that he is on his way home. That will be some credit to him in the world. So saying, she fastened under her feet those fine shoes, imperishable shoes of gold, which used to carry her over moist and dry to the ends of the earth, quick as the blowing of the breeze. Down she went shooting from the peaks of Olympus, and stood in the town of Ithaca against the outer gates of Odysseus, upon the threshold of the courtyard. In her hand she held a spear of bronze, and she took the form of a family friend, Mentes, chief man of the Taphians. So there she found those high and mighty gallants. Just then they were amusing themselves with a game of draughts in front of the door, sitting on the skins of the cattle which they had killed themselves, and their orderlies and servants were all busy, some mixing wine and water in the great bowls, some wiping up the tables with oozing sponges and laying the dishes, some serving the meat, and there was plenty of it. Telemachus saw the visitor long before the others. He was a fine-looking boy, and he sat there among the intruders in deep distress, with his heart full of his noble father. He wondered if his father would suddenly appear and make a clean sweep of them all, and take his own honorable place again and manage his property. These were his thoughts as he sat among them and saw someone at the door. He went straight to the porch, indignant to think that a visitor should be left standing at the door. 
He took the visitor's right hand and relieved him of the spear and spoke to him in words that wing like arrows to the mark. Good day to you, sir. You will be welcome in our house. Refresh yourself, and after you have eaten and drunk, you shall say what you have come for. So saying, he led the stranger in. Then, as soon as they were within the lofty hall, he carried the spear to a tall pillar and set it in a polished spear stand in which other spears were standing, the spears of Odysseus, that patient man, a whole lot of them. Then he led his visitor to a seat and bade him be seated. He threw a rug over it, a beautiful rug an artist's work, and there was a footstool ready at his feet. Beside him he placed an armchair of carven work, apart from the rest of the company, for he did not wish the visitor to be disgusted by the noise, and to lose all relish for his food as he found himself amongst a rabble of bullies. He wanted also to ask about his lost father.